we ended up with a 5am flight. So I was already nervous because every blog that I read told me that I should take a night flight. So the 12 hours preceding that, I'd had no sleep just with the anxiety of stressing about what the flight was going to be like. Thankfully, Tommy was a dream. So I'd say to anyone, um, before you're getting on that flight for the first time, particularly if it's international, just take a deep breath. You never know um, what you're going to experience. But it was probably my motto that I share with anyone who's travelling, which really got me through, which was, you're never going to see those people again. So even if your baby's screaming at the top of his lungs or her lungs, which Tommy did actually do uh, for a good half an hour on the flight home, I just kept saying to myself, I'm never going to see these people again, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Parenthood, conversations about life after kids. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every fortnight I will bring you discussions about the real and raw realities of parenting, life behind the Instagram filter. Join us as we laugh, cry, and bond over the organized chaos that is parenthood. Hi, everyone. As a bonus episode today, I'm bringing you a conversation with Liv and myself talking all things traveling with bubs. This is actually our very first recording that we ever did together, recorded over a year ago. Soon after, because of COVID, we were all in lockdown and we weren't allowed to travel outside of a five-kilometre radius from our homes, uh, let alone interstate or overseas or anywhere fabulous. And for that reason, it didn't feel right to release an episode about travelling, given all of that. But now that we're heading into the Christmas break, I thought it was fitting to bring you a few hot tips around traveling with bubs. Enjoy and have a fantastic Christmas break. Real talk. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Um, today I've got Liv, one of my best friends, here to talk about traveling with bubs. Liv, welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Lee. Now, I know how nervous we were when we were planning an overseas trip last, what was it? Was it last year? Last year, this oh time God. last year. Last year, it feels like it was several years ago. Um, and so basically, I had obviously decided to get married on the island of Spetses in Greece and we both had little ones in tow at the time. So my little one Noah was six months old. How old was Tom? Tom was five months, just gone five months. Little baby. Little Bubs. And we were planning this uh, trip, I feel, like three months out. Uh, We'd started packing because we were a little concerned. We wanted to make sure that we had everything organised and ready to go. Certainly different to our previous travels where we just had to look after ourselves and potentially our partners. So, But, yeah, so we thought it would be beneficial just having a little bit of a chat and giving everyone a heads up on our lessons um, so that you can make your future trips that little bit easier. Uh, One thing I will mention is that although we're speaking about overseas travel, uh, this all of these tips are applicable to interstate trips, overnight trips. Um, they're just good little tips to have um, and to bear in mind when you are going away with your child. So, Liv, first of all, what were some of the key items that you felt you couldn't live without? 
That's the best question because that is the question I probably spent 25 hours researching uh, (laughs) in the lead up to getting on that plane. Yeah, I was so conscious that, yes, while we were still going to another Western country, you have all your creature um, habits and different products that you like and would you be able to find those? So, God, what did I think that I couldn't live without? Baby sunscreen, like, you know, travelling as an adult, that sunscreen's difficult to find, but make sure if you're going um, during, well, summer or winter that you've got the baby sunscreen. Uh, a thermometer and probably packing that on the flight. You never know what's going to happen on the flight. Um, just to have that in your back pocket I think is really handy. i got to say one of my suitcases was half full of nappies. Uh, so there's a good little math formula, uh, that actually didn't work for me. I ran out <laughs> towards the end of the holiday and, uh, let me tell you, you don't really want to be using some of those European nappies. I don't know how some of they, how they get by. How were they? Cause I never Just experienced, weak. had to buy that. Were they? Really, okay. really weak. We had lots of leakage. Oh yes, you were. You were. We were changing them very, very regularly. So uh, you can't go past those huggies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else did we have? Oh, an emergency medicine bag. That would be a great one. You know, what are the things that you just want to have to save you running out to a chemist in a foreign country where the language could be an issue? Uh, and a spare iPhone for white noise was a lifesaver on the flight, and just to carry. Um, throughout the trip. What did you find? Yeah, funny that you mentioned nappies because that was the one thing I know we were both paranoid about. So we'd done our little calculation. We said, okay, so five nappies a day and we're away for three weeks. So, you know, times three, that's 105 (laughs) nappies. So I'll pack 130 just in case. (laughs) So maybe that's why we didn't run out because I, yeah, I think we had nappies literally stashed in like our pockets. Like just like we need to take this. So we actually padded them through our clothes. I felt like if my suitcase had gone thrown around, it would have been fine because it was completely padded up with nappies. So all our delicates, not a problem. Um, So, yeah, look, nappies was massive. And fortunately, I think we just had the right amount. So the the tip there would be, you know, pack more than you think you'd use. Um, We, I was also paranoid about food. So obviously our boys were starting solids at the time. And one thing I was worried about was what if, you know, I'm somewhere stranded and there's no baby food or whatever. So we packed a lot of the um, packet food that didn't need to be refrigerated. Um, And there's a lot of good stuff that you can just find in Woolies that, you know, you know, organic and not overly expensive um, Mm. if you're sort of worried about you know, processed. Um, so there's a, a fair few options there. Um, one thing that we could not have lived without is definitely our porticot. So we had the baby Bjorn, and I know we'll talk about sleep a bit later in the convo, but basically having the same cot throughout the entire trip, I think mm. really helped Noah with his sleep. Mind you, it weighed a couple of kilos. It was another thing to carry around with mm. us uh, amongst our million bags. <laughs> However, I feel as though that was definitely worth the weight. Um, mm. And then probably the 
final thing, actually two things. One was that we had the Ergo baby carrier. Now that was really helpful, um, particularly in, you know, Europe, you've got a lot of cobbled stone, you know, paths. We were in the Amalfi coast at one point, the stairs were next level steep. And so the little pram would not have cut it. So the, uh, baby, um, the Ergo baby was fantastic. And how handy is that to have in the airport too? Oh, you just the, don't want to, or you need to get the baby to sleep straight in the carrier. Happy yes. days getting through customs. That's the way to go. Yeah. So we actually, speaking of going through the airport, so what the final items, the yo-yo pram, which obviously mm. we both had, which for everyone else listening, it's a, a pram that can be folded up into a size that you can put it up um on your carry-on luggage in the plane. So it's really great. So here I am whipping around airports with the yo-yo pram. Um, but it was funny because so we didn't really take the carrier out initially thinking that we could just have the pram, push the baby literally onto the plane, get to our seat and then fold up the pram. Um, but And that was fine in Melbourne Airport. But when we got to Abu Dhabi and we went to get on the plane with the yo-yo and there's a million people behind us in the line, um, the air hostess stops us and goes, no, sorry, you have to fold up the pram <laughs> and hold your child. And I remember looking at her and I'm like, are you Are you joking? kidding? Like <laughs> I'm holding a million bags. My partner has a million bags. We don't, we can't no afford, need. we don't have the hands to hold this child, mm. to fold up the pram. There's a million people behind us. Just let us on the plane. <laughs> yeah. But she was like, no, sorry, that is our policy. And so basically I'm, you know, we're just that cup, that couple that's just everyone's standing behind going, what the hell are these guys doing? Like get organized. I'm there like folding up the pram. Jules is like holding Noah and like, Dropping you know, we bags. put all that back. Yeah, Where's your wedding like, dress at this point? Yeah, that's probably yeah. over your shoulder. Over too. the shoulder, literally. Oh and God. so finally we like scurry on the plane, apologizing to everyone behind us. Like, sorry, mate, we actually, no, we are frequent travelers. We're just this, we're just such rookies in this respect when it comes to children. So anyway, game whole new game. So one thing I will say um, to anyone who's looking to travel and who has a yo-yo, just fold it up and be and be ready for the fact that at some airports, they won't let you push that directly on the pram, mm. on the plane, sorry, and have a carrier or something like Liv was saying, and you can easily walk on with your child um, and still have free hands for your bags. So yeah. that was, yeah, that was a, a tip I wish I knew, but at least after that, I was all over it. So um, okay, so speaking about flights, Liv, tell me, what was your experience on the flight? Oh, wow, you're taking me back now. Do you know what? It was actually so much better than I thought. So when we booked our flight, we were doing it quite last minute because new baby and all, um, and we ended up with a 5 a.m. flight. So I was already nervous because every blog that I read told me that I should take a night flight. So the 12 hours preceding that, I'd had no sleep just with the anxiety of stressing about what the flight was going to be like. Thankfully, Tommy was a dream. So I'd say to anyone um, before you're getting on that flight for the first time, particularly if it's international, just take a deep breath. You never know um, what you're going to experience but it was probably my motto that I share with anyone who's traveling, which really got me through, which was you're never going to see these people again. So <laughs> even if your baby's screaming at the top of his lungs or her lungs, which Tommy did actually do uh, for a good half an hour on the flight home, I just kept saying to myself, I'm never going to see these people again, whatever. <laughs> 
sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. He's a baby. What did you expect? You know, yeah. there was definitely the looks when you, you boarded and you sit down in your seat and I said, hello, everybody. Sorry. This is Tom. Happy for you to hold him. <laughs> you just got to, you, yeah, you got to do whatever you got to do to get by and know that it's going to end. So totally. we were lucky. How did- how, how, how did he you? go with um I was just gonna say on that, did he sleep at all? Or how did he go in that respect? He he did. He uh he didn't sleep in the bassinet whilst he was a little baby at five months, he was a big boy. Um, so his feet were hanging over the side of the bassinet. So when he slept, he slept on me, which reminds me of another great thing to pack. Just one of those simple neck pillows. I didn't use it for my neck. I used it for my elbow because it was going dead for, you know, two, three, four hours at a time. Mm, that's a good just one. Just because he was sleeping on me. So, mm. look, we were lucky. Um, sure, he was awake leaving Melbourne at 5am for good parts of the time, but by the time we hit his um, night time, which I think was flying out of Dubai, um, he was he was fine. So we were okay. How did you go with Noah? So here's me thinking, I've got the nighttime flight, you know, Noah had just been to sleep school, we've got sleep down, I'm ready for this, we're <laughs> flying business, it's my damn wedding, I'm going to drink champagne the whole way to Abu Dhabi, and my kid's going to sleep and it's going to be amazing. So we hop up the flight after a bit of a kerfuffle, we finally get on, and again, I did the whole, sorry everyone, <laughs> FYI, <laughs> this is Noah, lovely to meet you all. Um, and then I looked at the bassinet and I, I realised Similarly, Noah's a big boy, that he was probably going to be, you know, head to toe right up against it. But I thought often he curls his legs up when he sleeps. So I thought it's fine. It's all under control. So air hostess is walking along with the champagne. I'm like, keep it coming, sweetheart. I'm so excited for this trip. (laughs) Double parking. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's eight o'clock exactly. Noah's just had his feed. He's going to pass out and I've got 12 hours to myself. Thank you very much. Um, Unfortunately, that was not the case. So he, I, I don't know whether he was overly stimulated by everything that was going on around him, but he stayed up the whole 14 hours to Abu Dhabi. So that was pleasant. My favourite flight ever. How did the I'm never going to see these people again motto work for you? So fortunately he didn't cry. He just stayed Mm. awake. So he was actually quiet and everyone around me when we hopped off the plane, they were like, oh, what a great baby. Meanwhile, I'm there like hair standing on one end, just being like, I I, I, I can't believe we still have another leg to get to Greece. (laughs) I am done. But Jules and I um, just handball so I'd have Noah for an hour and then pop him over like open the little you know the seat you know shutter between our two seats and I was like baby's ready for you handballed (laughs) it off then like had an hour to myself and then and I feel like I'd be watching the clock it was like 59 minutes and I was like I'm ready to handball him again like (laughs) we were just but it was fortunate that I did have someone else there to sort of support um and one thing I will say, though, was I was completely terrified of um, going to the restroom with Noah and changing his nappy. How is your experience of changing nappies? Oh, sister, place? girlfriend. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I was not anticipating this, but I didn't cope with this at all. And I mm. <laughs> cope with a lot of things, but it became a real obvious non-negotiable for me as a over six foot one human 
that I was not going into a toilet cubicle. So my even taller husband got that job. Um, I just couldn't, yeah, bring myself to do it. But Mark did it quite comfortably. Mm. I, um, in preparation for it, I had read somewhere that it's a great idea to pack yourself even smaller packs, so a nappy, some wipes, some pseudo or whatever else you might need, maybe a change of clothing. So rather than sifting through your whole bag, you can just pull out a smaller bag that you've already prepared and also so you're not fumbling around or taking lots of different things. You've got it all neatly packed away, done. I don't know, were you braver than I? Did you I go felt, into one of no, those? No, well, Jules and I also took it in turns. <laughs> I <laughs> well, feel like before I, I. Went in, before I went in, I was like, get a champagne. It's like, I can have a drink. All right. I've got this. <laughs> but, um, but one thing I will say in, in being organized and having those different, those little packs of nappies, change of clothes and knowing exactly where everything was, I did that too. And that was so helpful. I mean, yeah. you're talking about a plane where often it was completely pitch black and you're trying to, you know, go through mm. your luggage and find things. I found that was fantastic, even down to having my formula sachet. So one thing we were both breastfeeding at the time, but um, with Noah, he was also taking formula and I did feed him just before he went on the flight. But following that, I, I was like, he's going to have formula for the flight. And mm. so basically rather than take on a whole can of formula, we bought those little sachets that you can just get from Chemist Warehouse and we had them yeah. all sort of packed neatly and That's then I would just ask for water from the air hostess. But the, the point being is that I knew where everything was and it was easy mm. to sort of get through my bag where I needed mm. to. So, um, yeah, totally agree. Being organised, make your life yeah. easier. And you just remind me, feeding was a really interesting one. So, yeah, I was breastfeeding up until that point, breastfeeding was going really well for me. Um, I was lucky. Um, on the flight, I got really dehydrated. So being really mindful of keeping your fluids up to make sure if you are breastfeeding to keep your milk production going um, is really, really critical. So, you know, you're really fortunate that airlines um, allow you to take a lot of water on for feeding bottle preparation. Um, so, you know, take a drink bottle on for yourself and make sure that's full at all times would be um, a tip. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that was indeed. actually a pleasant surprise for me. Even in airports, you know how ordinarily you're not allowed to take water on when you go through the security checks. At every single airport, as soon as they say you've got a child, they're happy yeah. for you, to let you through. At least that was my experience. So I, we always had a water bottle on us constantly throughout all of our travels. Um, yeah. And then that sort of takes us to when we were arriving. So having gotten off the plane, we arrive at the airport. One of the first things I would do was if, if I didn't have a water bottle, buy one straight away just to have on yeah. us. Um, and then following that, we had organised it so that we either had a car that we were renting and so, you know, we'll hop into that car or we had a driver coming to pick us up from the airport just to make our lives that little bit easier. Um, and so that worked out quite well. Um, but one thing to bear in mind is obviously making sure that if you do hire a car or have a driver to make sure that you've got a baby seat organized. Um, our mm. experience with baby seats was pretty good. Um, we, you know, I had some friends who said that they some often like to take their 
you know, car seat with them, yeah. um, particularly yeah. interstate travel and things. But I was like, I'm taking a wedding dress. I'm taking like <laughs> half my wardrobe. <laughs> I don't have room for a baby seat. <laughs> so I was like, I guess we're going to wig it and see what baby seats they've got, um, car seats that they've got in uh, in Europe. And we had really good experiences with them. Noah fit, the buckles were, you know, all did up and it was all pretty legit. How about you, Liv? How did you find the, the car seats in Europe? Yeah, we probably had, you know, three or four transfers all up. I would say um, two of the car seats were great. Two of them were not safe at all. Um, so in those instances, instances, I put Tommy um, in the carrier because I felt that that was safer with the seatbelt around me, which is obviously a recommendation in taxis um, from time to time. Um whether I could have done more research, I don't know. Maybe that is one thing, but yeah, I think you do have to be prepared. And it's just one of those things with traveling, right? Not everything's going to go the way that you think it will. So you just have to roll with it and find um, the most safe approach for the little bubba and yourself. Um, so yeah, overall, I think, yeah, transfers were a really good, easy thing to do. We had you know, the iPhone that was, you know, prepared to play the sleepy noises but also had a whole heap of Peppa Pig and Bluey and various other shows that we could show Tom, you know, after the long flights or whatever it might be to keep him entertained. That was a good thing to do. We also Um, had um, playlists from Spotify just ready to go downloaded so that there's a bit more familiar. Anything to make it normal. Yes. And normalise it as much as possible I think is a really helpful, yeah, thing to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When we um, so we'd get to our accommodation, and um, I, I didn't really think initially that there was much we had to do other than sort of unpack and enjoy our stay. But then one one evening, so it was a couple of days before the wedding, Noah had a really horrific teething episode in the evening, and it then made me realise that. I had no idea where the nearest hospital was. I had Mm. no idea what the ambulance number was, where the nearest doctor was, what their contact details were. So we were in the island of Spetsas, which is a small holiday island. I didn't even know if there was a hospital. It turns out there's a little doctor's clinic. Um, And, you know, we're there. It's three o'clock in the morning. Noah is screaming bloody murder. Then all of a sudden he sort of starts passing out. His eyes are rolling the back of his head. I'm just dying going what is going on so scary scary enough when you're at home and you know exactly who to call on even more scary when you're overseas and and so there's Jules just trying to google like hospital spetses and nothing's Mm. coming up and I'm like just just google doctor google something he's like I just can't find it I just I just can't find anything so it was just one of those ones where I thought you know what we need to be a lot more organized next time and um Mm. and and really make sure that we at least have those key contacts on us in case of you know anything can happen with children um anyway it turns out that Noah was okay we we um for the next couple of hours we were with him and and just kind of I could sense Mm. that he was recovering after the a, a horrific sort of half an hour of just passing it it was just yeah Yeah. and a bad spell but in the end we didn't need to sort of take him anywhere fortunately but I did think that could have been so much worse um plus things happen um yeah so that would be a big I think you're right like you can help yourself in so many different ways by yeah 
allowing half an hour before you get to your destination to Google, you know, the emergency number, like when you're in Spain, like what's the emergency number or Greece or Italy or whatever it might be Mm. to, you know, laundromats if you don't have a laundromat or, you know, restaurants that are appropriate for kids or whatever it might be. Doing those things prior to travel, I think, will ease you into the whole experience rather than, yeah, five o'clock before you're trying to go somewhere, madly Googling, or uh, like how you found yourself in a crisis yeah. uh, when your Wi-Fi connection's not loading because you've already maximised your two hours in, you know, that you're allowed that day or whatever it might be, right? Like, <laughs> totally. You know, there's, yeah, look, you can be as planned as you like, but, you know, there's probably some things that, yeah, we've learned along the way that we'll do more of. Yeah, definitely. Some things that I certainly just sort of took for granted and then, um, you Mm. know, at home you take for granted that you know a lot of these things. But I think from a health perspective, yeah, certainly Mm. one that I'll be um, making sure that we do um, going forward. Um, Mm. One thing, because I know we had very different experiences when it comes to, uh, so we get to our hotel room, we've got our beds and then the next thing I would do was unpack Noah's portacot and pop it down and I'm like, ready to go for yeah. the evening. Now, I know you didn't travel with a porticot, so tell me about that experience. <laughs> so I, what was that first question you asked? What are the key things I should pack? A cot, a porticot. Um, we had a real horror experience, actually, in the first hotel um, in Athens when we arrived. So the cot that they had provided us it almost resembled a laundry basket. You know those giant laundry baskets that you see in the corridors? Um, It could have been a cot. It could have been a laundry basket. Um, And then it had quite a deep mattress, say 15 to 20 centimetre tall mattress in it. And I kind of looked at it and went, "Mm, don't know, give it a whirl. Well, I should have trusted my gut instinct I woke up, um, you know, t- you know, t- we'd all gone to sleep. I woke up and Tom had rolled down the side of the cot and Jeez. had, yeah, wedged himself between the side of the cot and the mattress. And you think SIDS and everything mm-hmm. we're edu- educated about in terms of safe sleep, that was not. Um, so for the rest of the stay in that hotel and even another hotel down the track, given I was so worried and anxious after that experience, he slept in our bed. Is that any better? I don't know, but that was kind of what we were dealing with. Um, The hotel or the apartment that we had for a good 10-day stay thankfully had a fantastic cot, which I knew. Um, So, again, the research thing, going back to the car seat, are there things, are there questions that you can ask about where you're staying and what the uh, cot looks like? Obviously, it's hard with language breakdowns, but, um, yeah, God, number one thing that I'll pack on any international holiday or even interstate is a portacot for sure, no-brainer. Absolutely. Yeah. How did Tom end up sleeping? I mean, we were going through that great period of um, broken sleep and all that jazz yeah. prior. So how did he go being in a different destination? Look, he, overall I'd say he was fine. Like there were certainly nights where he was disturbed um, whether that was jet lag or, you know, totally different time zone, right? Um, I was really adamant having done so much travel pre-baby that my life was not going to change and I was still going to go out all day and explore. So our general guiding principle was one sleep 
in his cot, in the hotel, in the apartment, wherever we were staying, whether that was morning or afternoon. Um, so that meant he was sleeping on the go a lot and that tended to work. Sure, we had good days and we had really bad days, but generally um, that worked pretty well. He adjusted to the new time zone pretty quickly and, you know, there's lots of things you can do about, you know, making sure when you arrive in the time zone that you adapt to that time zone quickly. I'm sure you would have done that. You know, sunshine, making sure you're outside as much as you possibly can. Um, yeah, I think that was a lot easier than what I was anticipating. What was your yeah. what was your approach to sleep? I agree. I think because Noah didn't sleep throughout the entire twenty one hour <laughs> fell in a heat. <laughs> fell in a heat when we got there. <laughs> but also I was ready to go. I'd actually been to Masada sleep school prior and was very sort of regim um disciplined with the sleep mm. schedule and was a little mm. bit concerned that it would be all thrown out the window as soon as we get mm. um we got to Greece. Yeah. But what was fortunate was I actually I was well equipped with you were talking about if it's you know you're arriving during the day keep them out in the sun for example mm. um, even if you are arriving during the day and you want them to have that lunchtime nap we took um took a pack of aluminium foil with us and a bit of blue tack uh, and we just popped that up on the window. windows blocked him yeah. out allowed him to have his couple of hour nap and then you know got him up so that was also another good and easy and light thing to take mm. along with you mm. if need be That's a great tip yeah um one of the things that we did and I know before we went to sleep school I was very much like the child will just fit into my schedule however after months of horrific sleep <laughs> you mm. know with Noah and mm. then going to sleep school where they re you know really teach them to sleep at night and um they're very you know routine based um I decided I need to ensure that I get a full night's sleep when I'm overseas particularly it's my because we're going for my wedding mm. I want to be well rested so if that means I need to tailor my entire day around Noah's sleep schedule then that's what it's going to look like so yeah. we made sure that we'd go out, we'd go out in the mornings we'd be back sort of by lunch he'd have his nap we'd be back out in the afternoons and by seven o'clock at night Noah was in bed every single day of yeah. the trip and yeah. that was just the way that we planned it. Um, what that meant for us was that he slept throughout the entire night for most days. I think the first day we arrived in Greece, he was still adjusting, but following that he slept through. It meant that I felt well rested on the day of my wedding. It meant that for most of our honeymoon, we were just lazing around and feeling relatively yeah. well rested too. And for you, you know, that's, yeah, it's priceless, isn't it? And that's Absolutely. what's most important and you work out what your non-negotiables are and they will be, yeah, so different for everyone. And I guess you'll learn along the way. You know, yeah. we probably um, were probably more on the go the first two weeks than we were the last two weeks. You know, mm -hmm. we were all starting to get a bit tired the last two weeks. So we certainly were probably closer to your approach of morning activity, lazy afternoon to make sure that we we're prioritizing what was most important for Tom, which as yeah. we know for babies is sleep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One thing that we found was helpful was that although he would go to sleep at seven o'clock at night, we either had organized sort of some hired help. So whether that's a nanny through the hotel that we had our wedding at, for example, um, so it's sort of or through the Airbnb host and recommendations there. Obviously you always feel a bit hesitant when you're leaving your child mm. with someone you don't know, but I felt felt 
comfortable if, if they were recommended to me via sort of a trusted source. So that enabled us to go and have our dinners and to enjoy ourselves. Um, one thing as well that was quite helpful on our end was having Jules's parents come along for some of our honeymoon. We had sort of, um, we'd organised to stay at lovely sort of villas and they had their own sort of um, room and their own space. But what that meant was that they were there to, you know, spend a lot of time with Noah, be there in the evenings with him. They were happy to stay in. They had a a really long trip ahead of them. So, you know, being at home at seven o'clock at night wasn't a big thing for them. And Jules and I could go and have a a bit of a honeymoon evening and go to the (laughs) restaurants that you certainly wouldn't be taking your six-month-old child. Well, (laughs) or if you do, then you're braver than I am. Um, So so that was really helpful for us. How did you go with sort of um, having a little bit of alone time with Mark? Uh, good question, Lee. <laughs> well, funnily enough, we brought, well, my parents accompanied us too uh, to particularly look after Tommy while we are at your wedding, knowing that that would be a big couple of days. Um, I think I anticipated that maybe there'd be some extra care along the way. <laughs> Turns out mum and dad were there for a holiday too uh, and were probably more social <laughs> than Mark and I were and very keen to try all the restaurants in town. So, look, God, it was, you know, really gave me great comfort to you know have my mum there to provide support if something was going wrong. But in terms of babysitting, no, the five of us, mum, dad, Mark, Tom and I, off we would go to breakfast, lunch uh, and dinner, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever time that may be. Yeah. And hey, that and, worked. Yeah, we, didn't, and- we, didn't, we didn't get any babysitters, mm. not because I didn't want to. I just, yeah, the opportunity never kind of presented itself. Mm. But I have had babysitters when we've travelled interstate and they've been amazing. Um, there's great different babysitting portals via yeah, the hotels as you said or online and I've yeah they've never never let me down and always, I've always felt confident with each of the providers so I, there's definitely I think, great options out there. Yeah I think we were lucky too because our kids were at an age where you could kind of leave them with someone and they're still they don't have that sort of um, separation anxiety you know they're only five six months old um, so often you know we would tuck Noah into bed we'd close the door and then we'd have a babysitter waiting um, yeah, once or twice because of, huh? exactly once or twice because of the wedding events that were throughout the day we did sort of have him with someone um, new but he didn't seem all that fussed one thing I thought about um, more recently was now that you know Noah's two two years old, I can't. He'd he'd be like, "Who is this random that you are leaving mm. me with?" And like, mm. I'm actually not okay with this. And mum, dad, where are you going? Like, yeah. so I think I we, yeah. So I, what, I know you're having that, fun. Yeah, no, I'm coming with you. Like, I don't care if I wreck your time, I'm coming with you. So so one thing I know that we would do with future trips is if we are going to have a nanny, um, have her be with, or him, be with us during the day um, so that Noah and Charlie, my my, uh, little one, can get accustomed to that person and so that that way when we do leave at night, he feels comfortable. Um, So I think that's probably the difference um, from my perspective on little bubs versus toddler. What, what mm. do you think? Oh, I think that's exactly right. And it depends on where your destination is. You hear of so many 
uh, Aussie families having really fantastic experiences in Bali, you know, with nannies that accompany them for the whole week. And the kids, you know, end up talking about that nanny for weeks and weeks on end. And then they go back next year to have the same nanny. So, mm. you know, research and experience. Um, but, you know, you, you, you're spending so much money, you want to enjoy the experience. Yeah, obviously do what you feel comfortable is probably um, the tip there. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got their own comfort zone of, of care and leaving their child with a stranger. I know some mums and dads that, yeah, it's, it wouldn't be something that they consider and that's fine. You know, you eat in, you have a great little, um, you know, you make the holiday what it is. Yeah, or eat out and you just, you know, eat maybe it. go for earlier dinners or, you know, you yeah. you make it work. We ended up doing that a lot. We will have, you know, which is crazy for the Greeks, as you well know, Lee, that <laughs> dinner starts at 10 o'clock. Well, we were the first people in the restaurant at five <laughs> and they thought we were there for lunch. So, <laughs> yeah, you just, yeah, and we had a fantastic time. That was fine. That You just adapt and, mm. um, you know, then you have a few cocktails on the balcony at night and yeah. what more could you want? You're still on holiday and you've got a happy baby who's sleeping safely behind you. So yeah, that's all that matters. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Did you come sort of experience any situations like that sort of made you feel as though, oh God, I could have prepared that a little bit better, i.e., you know, issues with not having internet when you need it or, you know, issues with security at any point or anything like that? No, it's more I probably had wished that I'd done more research on each location that I was travelling to to, you know, of course you arrive in a city and you get your bearings from just walking around, but knowing, yeah, where the closest supermarket was to get some basics to the laundromat because we didn't always stay in a serviced apartment. We did stay in hotel rooms, so we needed to prepare for that. And I had done a lot of preparation Look, we were really fortunate. Not a lot went wrong other than the car seats and the cot um, and then not reaching, you know, the level of expectation that I had. You know, we had a, a, a SIM card so that we could communicate with mum and dad if we were all out So um, and use Wi-Fi if there was no Wi-Fi or use internet if there was no Wi-Fi connection on your phone. Um, so, yeah, we were we were pretty fortunate. I learnt to always pack an extra pair of clothes as we're walking around because you end up with clothes, vomit, poo. I changed nappies in some very strange and peculiar (laughs) places. Uh, So, yeah, you just, you learn on the way. Yeah. Yeah, but nothing crazy thankfully happened to us. I think something crazy happened to you though, didn't it? Well, it's funny that you mentioned the international SIM or just having a SIM card. We thought we'd be okay without. We had roaming um, and so we sort of thought, yeah, we should be right. Um, and that was fine because, you know, everywhere has Wi-Fi. But <laughs> when we arrived, we went to Capri and we um, we were heading off to Positano. When we arrived in Positano at the port, uh, there are no cars allowed at the port. So you actually have to walk up a million steps to get to the, where the cars are. And so here's us being like, oh, yeah, like you just have to walk up, you know, those million steps. That's fine. We'll just head that way and surely the cars will be pretty obvious to find. Um, We had this old school map and someone had pointed at the destination where the car was going to be that was going to be waiting for us. And because we didn't have an international sim, we couldn't look at Google Maps. So 
We start plowing up these stairs. Um, you know, I'm carrying, you know, the bloody portacot, which I, I remember we had the, um, that you can pay people to carry your, your luggage. Um, but I thought, nah, I'm right. I've got the portacot. It's only five kilos. I could do this. There's only a million stairs ahead. All good. And so off I go, you know, and then turns out we're looking at this old school map. I felt like I was back in 1990, um, trying to figure out where I was going. And, and it turns out we walked, you know, 10,000 steps to the left, um, too far. You know, oh, so no. so it's probably in the thirty heat degrees. Of the day, was it oh, too? it was yeah. a nightmare. Oh, no. Thirty degrees. Bubs is in the carrier. Got the in-laws with us as well. Mother-in-law's sort of out of breath. You know, and totally understandably because it was such a crazy walk as it was. I'm there going. If we only had Google Maps, we would know exactly where we needed to be. What happened then was that we missed our connecting you know the, the the driver thought we weren't coming i had texted oh, no. him through roaming he never received the text message the airbnb person then thought we weren't coming she was trying to text me furiously i wasn't receiving those messages and then i was texting her she wasn't getting mine and so it, it was an absolute debacle know, yeah. and when you've got a child you just as much as possible you want things to run smoothly so mm. um definitely the international sim is one that i would consider going forward um the other thing <laughs> we also had another situation where prior, this was just the day from hell, okay? So, so prior to getting to Positano, we're in Capri and I felt like we had been so organised. We we're, were about to leave our Airbnb. We had packed everything the night before. We pick up our million bags. We've got the in-laws with us and we head down to the little tram car that takes you down to the port from the top of the mountain where we were. Anyway, we're heading down, tram cars going down the mountain, get to the bottom, take our million bags out of the oh, tram. God. And then all of a sudden Jules looks at me and goes, oh, my God, the gift. And I'm like, the gift is like we left the gift. So we'd been given this wedding gift from um, so, from some people and it was uh, this lovely sculpture. And we decided that we were, we were going to carry it around everywhere we went. <laughs> and that was a really bad decision <laughs> because this sculpture was just the cause of so much like oh, destruction God. but anyway so Jules is like the gift and I'm like oh my god and before I could think he had he had nowhere in the carrier before I could think he turns around the doors to the tram it was about to close he grabs the doors he opens the doors he gets back in the tram and then next minute the tram's sailing up the mountain and I'm like um we have oh, 45 minutes to get to our oh, boat no. which is over there there are people everywhere we still had to buy tickets I wanted to be organized I'm thinking that damn gift and then I'm I'm just thinking this is just and if we miss this one boat we have to wait six hours for the next boat now six hours when it's just the two of you no children it's kicking back in a port you have a bit of champagne enjoy it not a big deal right six on hours holiday. with a child oh no this is my <laughs> worst nightmare oh my goodness so i'm there where you know we've carted all the the bags to sort of you know a shady area and we're just standing there waiting for jules and i'm just watching the melting. clock <laughs> melting watching the clock go he had noah as well so it's not even like i could just <gasps> leave him there and take noah with us so anyway, Jules finally comes back down and I remember just seeing him. He's running through a sea of people. It was one of those like slow-mo moments. I'm like, good, we've got 15 minutes. Get the tickets. So he's running to the ticket thing with Noah on him, like sweating. Oh, sweat. I'm running after <laughs> Pouring off him. Like, I've got the slow-mo we're like, yeah. <laughs> like we're pushing past all these people. Anyway, finally gets the tickets. We're ready to go. So we start walking towards where the boat's going to go. Now, there are a sea of people 
people, we're maneuvering mm. our luggage, thinking, oh, my goodness, how are we even going to get to where we need to be? Finally, we get there. We're standing there waiting, panting, out of breath, sweat dripping, and we're like, oh, we made it. Finally, we can see the boat coming towards us. And then I'm like, Jules, just grab the ticket. You got the tickets? Just get them ready so that we can each have ours. And he reaches into his pockets and he's like, um, where are the tickets? And then he starts patting his pockets and he's like, but they were in my pockets. I'm like, what do you mean? Where are the tickets? He's like, I, I, they must have fallen. I'm like, what? Like, how did you know? He's like, no, but they couldn't have fallen. And I'm like, seeing this boat come towards us. And I'm like, Jules, we don't have time for this discussion. I'm like, we have to go get more tickets. So we're running Jules and I have just left all of our suitcases in the sea of people. At this point, I'm like, you know what? Someone's going to take one of my suitcases and whatever. Like, I don't even care. I just need to get to to Positano. (laughs) (laughs) On this boat. So we are running, again, slow-mo style, pushing past all these people. There's this guy there, this kind of sketchy-looking guy. As we get towards the end of the crowd, towards the ticketing booth, he goes, oh, I've got four tickets to Positano, the 11 a.m. boat. And I remember looking at him and he's like, Positano, Positano. Tano trying to sell me these tickets and I'm thinking that's weird and I'm like no and I push past him we get a ticket we're running back on through the sea of people somehow we managed to get to our bags and on that boat as the last passengers panting oh. sweating we got on and I literally remember being like this is like absolute victory that we got on this boat and then all of a sudden I turned to Jules and I'm like Jules did you see that guy? Like he had four tickets to Positano, 11 a.m. And Jules was like, yeah, I noticed I noticed him earlier in the day as well. I felt as though he was sort of hovering around where we were standing. And then Jules' dad's like, any any bets he's pickpocketed yeah. you? Like yeah. you're in a rush. Yeah. You've got a child in your carrier. Been, the last yeah, thing flustered. you're thinking about. <laughs> flustered trying to carry all your bag totally and you know and and you put it in you put things in your pocket even though Mm. we're safe travelers and we've traveled a lot but in your haste you pop it in your pocket thinking we're all good we're almost there at the bottom you know and things happen so I guess the moral of the story is that where you can try and um you know be mindful of sort of where you're storing important things I mean and you know these things happen and know that you can potentially be a target if you are looking, you know, not I think as you're right. as with, like. with kids because you're so, you're distracted, right? Yeah. You are going to be a target. I think that's just reality. Yep. It probably yep. links to we should all have really good travel insurance too yes. for <laughs> stuff that's pickpocketed. And two, back to, you know, your scary story about Noah, if you had had to go to the hospital, mm. did you have the right travel insurance? Yeah. I think that's probably another thing that's really worth um, considering perhaps more than what we did when we were in our 20s and single and fancy free <laughs> absolutely i'm like insurance what like you know, like, yeah well, like, my credit card like, covers that like yeah, yeah. you know who knows right <laughs> totally i mean it's funny and i think at the end of the day as you said you can be as prepared as you want but you know you can only do what you can do and things happen and you know things you, happen. you make go it with work like yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and at, at the end of the day all's well you know that ends well so um so i guess i want to ask finally were there any sort of key tips just to sort of round out this conversation around traveling and it you know overseas interstate um overnight stays that you think you know are, are certainly worth us considering uh the first one that comes to mind is have fun you know isn't that just so important that you can get so hung up and even just hearing it us talk today about the preparation and the planning that is required and that will all pay off we know but god have fun you know you're making life 
you know, really special, precious memories with your new family or growing family. Um, so that is just so important. Um, be kind to each other, over-communicate, you know, in terms of who's responsible for what um, and do your yeah, do your research on your destination would probably be where I leave it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's that's great. I I I'd say exactly the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day things happen, but it's, you know, or or don't happen, you know, either which way, but it is always such a fun experience to be somewhere completely different with your family, um, you know, and and creating mm. those memories for yourself. Um, we uh, you know, my things would be I felt that the porticot was just fantastic um and, you know, for us you know, root, having a structure and routines worked works well. I mean, will we do that for every holiday? I have no idea, but it certainly worked well for that particular holiday. And um, just sort of, I don't know, just sort of being as as organised as you possibly can, but then at the same time, don't stress yourself out because I think I probably yeah. got really yeah. stressed because, I mean, look, I'm planning a wedding. I'm not planning one, but I'm heading over for a wedding. I've got a baby. Yeah. I'd never travelled with a child before. I was, my stress levels were through the roof before we'd even left Tullamarine Airport. So, <laughs> so yeah, be organised and, and organise um, yourself as, as um, early on as you can, but then also don't do what I did and bury yourself in champagne so that you could forget how stressed you are on the flights. But uh yeah, no, oh, it was dear. it was a lot of fun all in all. We did all have a worth great it. time over all there. Absolutely all worth, worth it. it. Trip of a lifetime. Yeah. And so many special first memories given they were both little babies. God, it'll be a different ball game with two babies, let alone if we ever have more than two. Oh, so. yeah. So we'll certainly be reporting back on potentially travel with toddlers and uh, and oh, other dear. age groups. But uh, <laughs> I think but, we should deliberately not talk about uh, return jet lag too. Let's save that for a future yeah, podcast yeah. as well. <laughs> we'll leave that as a little secret. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, thanks so much, Liv, for joining us on the podcast today. Hopefully everyone's taken away some lessons from uh, from our experience and I really appreciate you being on and taking the time. Oh, it's been good fun. Such great memories to relive. Yeah. Go and have a holiday. I need to book something now. <laughs> thanks, Liv. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. Want to be part of the Parenthood community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Parenthood Pod. Now I'll let you get back to the organised chaos. Until next time. I move around in my seat the whole time. Okay, <laughs> stay still.